on that. I think we have, my name's Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard. Let's put up our vision statement and read it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. Yeah, we're loving Jesus and had a wonderful time loving Jesus and worship this morning. We're growing in Christ. We are going. We're serving each other. We're serving our community. And I love it. And so this morning what we're doing is we're concluding a way too short of series on toxic beliefs, Christian beliefs. And so we will revisit this next year. I promise you we will revisit it. Uh, two weeks was way too short. And so we will cover a lot more uh, probably towards the you know first quarter or second quarter of 2022, which I can't believe I'm actually saying those words. And it is not a futuristic sci-fi movie, right? Uh, I grew up with you know 2001, A Space Odyssey. So we thought by the year 2000, we would have jetpacks, flying cars. It would be like the Jetsons. It is not. And that is such a thorough disappointment to me, I'll be honest with you, so that I don't have a, my own jetpack that I get to just ride to, ride to school. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you think you're just going to be in school forever. But uh, yes, it was all about going to school. And so we are concluding this series. Last week we talked about sort of the crazy belief, the toxic belief that it is selfish to have our needs met, that it's selfish to have your needs met. Um, Y'all remember I was talking about how I used to think that the airline um, flight attendant was just being selfish when she said to put your own oxygen mask on first before helping somebody else. That I don't know about that. I don't think that's Jesus, right? And so... <laughs> Uh, we talked about how that is, uh, that's actually a crazy making belief. And so our needs are meant to draw us actually to growth. Our needs are meant to draw us into humility. Our needs actually serve a purpose and they bring glory to God and they bring us closer to God. So today we are going to talk about probably the belief, the saying that I hear more than any other. I, I've heard this one. Growing up all the time, I hear this one probably monthly, if not on a weekly basis. Somebody will say this, and it has probably kept uh, more believers stuck in their lives than any other one. And I've heard it so many times, and I've said it so many times, and it probably kept me in a place where uh, I looked like I was growing in Jesus but where little change was happening on the inside. And so that's, I'm just, I'm just saying that honestly, I'll get to it. <laughs> and uh, and this, is, this is one, because this, you, you know that somebody has this belief when there's that outward appearance of change, but there really isn't the inward change. And um, a good friend of mine, he loved me enough to point out some of those character flaws that I thought were changing, but were not. And he encouraged me to actually seek counseling. He said, I think you need to go seek counseling in this area. Quit saying you're just going to give this to Jesus because it's not changing, and what you really need is to uh, get some help. And so I watched God work, really, when I started to do my part, and, uh, and God partnered with me. My life has never been the same because I realized that this belief is so toxic, and when we say this, it's actually working against us. And you've probably used it before. You've probably, I haven't said the phrase, but y'all probably already know what the phrase is. 
right? You've probably all used it before, and uh, you found that things didn't get better. You may have even had some temporary relief when you said it. You might have had some temporary relief when you said it, but it was soon replaced by frustration. And so this toxic belief, I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it because I just heard it so much. But this toxic belief is, I'm just going to give it to the Lord. <laughs> I'm just going to give this to the Lord. I'm just giving this to the Lord. And so let's start off. I want to look at the words of Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 2. and He is speaking to the Philippian church about having an attitude like Jesus. How do we have this attitude like Jesus? And he says in verses 12 through 16, wait, let me pray first. You distracted me. Um, <laughs> let me pray. God, we love you so much and we praise you. And I ask God that you would cause your word to come alive in us and be transformational. And Lord, I hope that, I, I ask that you would help us to get this and to understand this and to understand your role and our role. And, and uh, Lord, we just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, Paul is saying in verses 12 through 16 uh, in chapter 2, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions. Everybody say, followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What? Hold on a second now. That totally goes against everything that I believed. Did he just say, work hard? What? Okay. All right. All right. Listen, you guys. It's both and. Okay. So, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you to give you the power and the desire, right, to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, and so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Whew. So, all right. There's a whole lot of doing here. There's a whole lot of doing here. And you guys all know I'm all about overflow, not overwork, right? And so I don't believe that Paul is saying here overwork, but he is saying, do your dang part. Do your part. Because if you remember one thing this morning, I want you to remember this. We are co-laborers with God. That's what this is all about. We are co-laborers. God didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something, right? He saved you for something. And so Paul is saying, if you want to shine brightly for Jesus, if you, if you want to change and you want to grow and you want to heal, and you want to make an impact on your world, then do your part. Follow what the Word says. Obey God, he's saying. Live clean and innocent lives. This, this is all the words that Paul is using. Shine bright in a dark world. Do your part. Do your part. Because we can't just say, I'm just going to give that to Jesus and, and expect everything to get better. That is a, can we call it a fallacy? That's just a, you know, because I, I don't know about you guys. But it has not been very often where I've said, I'm just going to give this to Jesus. And things just got better. Like, I'm just going to rub the Jesus lamp and let the Jesus genie come out. 
and I'm going to hand all my problems to him, and then that's it, and then it's all going to get better. That's just not how God designed us. Because think about it. Y'all, okay. One of my children, I'll not say which one, really struggled to learn to tie his shoes. Really, really struggled. I mean, it was like, for some reason, that was just one of those issues that we really, 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 really struggled. And there were times when we just got so frustrated, and we would show him, and he couldn't figure it out. And we kind of had a choice at a certain age of his. We can get him some of those Velcro shoes, right? Let's just make it easier, because I'm tired of the fight. We'll get him some Velcro shoes, and he can go and live his life. Or we can make him tie his shoes, even if it takes 10, 15 minutes while he gets frustrated, and we kind of show him, and we kind of co-labor with him in that, and then guess what? He eventually got it. But if we would have done everything for him at the age of 20, he'd still be wearing Velcro shoes. And so God wants to co-labor with us. He wants to work with us. And sometimes when we just say, I'm just going to give it to the Lord, that's just a Christianese way of saying, I'm quitting. I'm just going to give that to the Lord. That's just our, our, a nice, holy, spiritual way of saying, I'm kind of lack the motivation to work on that. I'm kind of feeling sort of lazy. I'm just going to give that to the Lord. But here's the thing. When we use that sort of like Christianese, Christian language, like I'm just going to give that to the Lord, we have, in that moment, don't we have like a sense of peace? Well, okay. Faux peace. Fake peace. Right? Because that's what quitting does. Quitting gives us a sense of sort of fake peace. I just give up on that. I'm just going to give that to the Lord. I'm just going to whatever. And we get a sense of faux peace. And then that, that, that sort of short-term fake peace that we get almost confirms that we said the right thing. Right? That fake peace, that faux peace that I just got goes, oh, yeah, that was the right thing to just give it to the Lord. But here's the thing. That peace will fade away. And then when we realize that nothing has changed and we are no better off than we were before we said, I'm just going to give this to the Lord, we get frustrated. And then it's like, then we've got to give it to the Lord again. Right? And so that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live as co-laborers with him. And a lot of people will either take an either-or approach because we're not really good at both and, but we're good with either-or. Right? And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, we have such divides. We have political divides. We have divides on different issues and all these things is because we're just terrible with, with both and, and we're all, we have very much either-or mentalities, right? And uh, I've sat in, like, meetings with, you know, other pastors where they're arguing about, you know, uh, pre-trib, post-trib, or there's sort of a nice, fun debate over, you know, predestination or free will and all these sort of, you know, big terms that people like to use. And, uh, and they love to have these either-or battles, you know. And, and, I, and you don't hear many people coming around going, well, what if it's both? What if, what, if, what if some are predestined and some have free will? And then it's always like pff, scanners, heads exploding, you know, blood, brain matter flying everywhere because we don't get both and. We, you know, what if it's both and? You know, no, everything has to be either-or. But either God, we, we think either God does it all or I do it all, but we're called to a both-and approach to this. We are. 
God has and is doing a work in us, and we work with him. We work with him, and that works best. Just like how God gave the Israelites the promised land, right? Now, did the Israelites just go to sleep one day and then wake up in the promised land all conquered, all fresh and conquered? <laughs> they, had, they had to get up. They had to obey God. God said, go do it. I'll strengthen you. And they went out there and fought, right? He gave it to them, but they also fought. They also did their part. And in fact, God told them, listen, if you fail to do the work, if you fail to do your part, uh, it's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you. God promised them the land, but he, st- he still said in Numbers chapter 33, verse 55, if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. Wow. So God is saying, look, I'm going to give this to you, but if you don't do your part, if you don't do your part, you are going to suffer for it. And you know what? We still see that to this day. Right? We do. Read the news. We still see that to this day. And that's where a number of frustrated believers are today. They're unable to understand while nothing really changes after giving it all to God. I'm just going to give it all to God. And so we, we can't take a passive, a, a passive attitude towards the things that need changing in our lives. We can't take a passive attitude towards uh, the things that need changing in the world, right? God never meant for us to be passive. And there is an active role for us to play in spiritual and emotional growth. Or we risk getting stuck. We don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck, Right? And so we risk being stuck. So what are some areas that God is calling us to partner with him in? First area, and this is just a few. This isn't all of them. This is not an exhaustive list. But first, we work together with God for our healing. We work together with God for our healing. God does do the mysterious work of healing. And sometimes that healing is instantly and supernatural. And I love it when God shows up that way. I love it when that happens. I really, really do. And I have experienced that before, where I've experienced God heal me miraculously. I mean, one time I had big-time fluid on my knee, you know, swelled up twice as big. I was supposed to go in for a procedure to get it extracted. And I asked a friend to pray for it. I went in to show up for my procedure, and they said, what are you doing here? Right? And so sometimes that happens, and I love it. I love it. But it is important to own our problems and own our wounded areas. It is so important that we own those things and that we partner with God. Because when we have a wounded area, whether it's emotionally, we can say physically, denying them, denying a wounded area, when we say it's okay, it's all right, it's all right, it's not a big deal, right? It's like wrapping gauze around a broken arm <laughs> and expecting that to heal. Wouldn't that be silly? I mean, I don't know if you guys, about you guys, but if I had a broken arm, the last thing I need is a little bit of gauze. Right? I need that bad boy set. I need a cast. I need it done right. And so when we have a wounded area in our lives, it's important that we work with God for healing in that. And I've known uh, a lot of people who have endured and inflicted Right? Great pain in their lives, but decided to just give it to the Lord instead of seeking help. Professional help. Right? And 
you know, and I'm not here to kind of like bang the counseling drum, but I think a lot more of y'all need counseling than you think. <laughs> you know, and so we got areas, man, we got relationships from, you know, our relationships with food, our relationships with our family of origin, our relationships, you know, we, and we need to go get healing, Right? And we're, we wonder why there's certain areas of our lives where we seem to kind of keep going around that same merry-go-round, you know, marching around that same hill. And it's because we haven't gone back and gotten healing. And I said, we just gave that to the Lord. And I remember uh, I, I was sitting with a friend of mine, and we both had similar upbringings. And he had an abusive father, and I had an abusive father. Both of them had, there was, a, there was addiction and alcoholism. And, and I remember sitting in a room with him, and he chose one way and I chose another. And so I chose to go through counseling. I chose to get healing. I chose to read books and all those things. And he said, you know, I just decided that God's my father. And I just gave it to him. And he was a pastor and all these wonderful holy things. And inside of 10 years, he had literally drank himself to death. You know, he had turned to alcoholism because it, the pain kept coming back. It kept coming back. And so, listen, you know, we need to partner with God in our healing. And it's not enough just to say some pithy, holy saying, like, I just gave all that to the Lord and expect it all to be better. Uh, that's just denial, and denial ain't just a river in Egypt. You're welcome. So, um, <laughs> okay, okay, groaner file. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That'll be next year. So, uh, you know, we need to get up and do our part. And otherwise, we become almost like it's this picture of this old, rusty, barely running car, but has a new coat of paint on it, right? A new coat of paint. I remember there was a, I can't remember the name of it now, but growing up, there was a car detailing company that used to advertise all the time uh, and sh on Chicago television. It might have been Mako or something like that. Uh-oh, better get Mako. And they used to take any old beater and for like 100 bucks, they'd paint it. And so you'd see these cars kind of coming out of Mako, and they were like total beaters. You know they were junk, and, uh, but they had this fresh coat of paint on them. And that's what we're like when we do that, when we're like, I'm just going to give it to the Lord. You know what? You're still a beater, right? you still got a hole in your quarter panel. You still, your exhaust still needs to be replaced. Um, so, you know, we don't want to be like that. We have the ability to get the help that we need and allow God to work in us through that help. It's both and. Both in, okay? And so the next thing is, is we work together with God for our sanctification. And so what, what is that? Sanctification, besides a, a fun word to say, sanctify, sanctification, right? Sanctification is the working out on the inside what God has already done on the, insi on the inside. So we're working out on the outside what God has already done on the inside. So God has made us holy on the inside. He has purified us on the inside. But guess what? When you look at the outside, you don't see it, do you? All right? When I look in the mirror, a lot of times I don't see sanctified. I see somebody who's working on some stuff, right? And so sanctification is the working out on the outside what God has already done on the inside. It's about our personal and spiritual growth. It's about our characters. It's about our attitudes. It's really all about becoming more like Jesus. That's what we're working on. And so God has given us the ability to confess our sins, confess our failures, confess our shortcomings. He has given that to us. He's given us the ability to turn from evil. He's given us the ability to live righteously. He even puts the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us. 
so that we can do it together, right? And if you've ever overcome an addiction, you know, right, the I've just given that addiction to the Lord, right? You know it was a lot harder than that. You know, you've been there, man. You struggle. It's a struggle. I knew somebody who smoked for 30 years, 30 years, and it took that period of time where, where she had, you know, was overcoming those, those urges, that addiction. She, she said she prayed every day, but it was still the hardest time in her life. It was both. God was working in her, and she used a whole lot of self-control and accountability and help to get through it. Okay? So it's, it's both. And sometimes God does deliver somebody like that, and it's like, wow, yes, yes. But God, most of the time, has us working with him. And so we have that ability. It's so important to own our shortcomings. That is so important, to own them and to confess our failures. Now, we're not confessing that we're a failure, but we're confessing when we have failed, right? We're not saying that we're a shortcoming. We're saying that we have some shortcomings. And so there's no shame in this. Every one of us, if we went through the room right, right now and went, okay, what are your shortcomings? Believe it or not, everyone here, everyone here, even Wendy, would say that they had a shortcoming. Okay, all of us do, all of us do. And denying them doesn't help. It doesn't help bring healing. It's like burying it down. Y'all ever like, you know, put a pile of dirt, like pick a weed, but not get the root? And then like you put maybe plant something around and put some dirt around it, and that weed's just going to keep coming right back up. You know, and so when we deny our shortcomings, try to make it appear like we're just, we got it all together, that weed's just going to keep coming up. It's just going to keep coming up. Because denial ain't just a river in Egypt, man. So, oh, all right? We have to own them. David even prayed in Psalm 139. He said, God, reveal, reveal the things that I'm not even able to see. Because sometimes we have blind spots. Sometimes we have areas that we don't see. And you know what? Other people see them. If you're married, your spouse sees them, right? Don't you love it? There's something, God has given like our spouses the ability to see all of our blind spots, and I hate it. And so, <laughs> and so a lot of times, I just need to give it to God is just Christian denial. Is what it is, okay? 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves, and not living in the truth. Wow, okay. And so if you know somebody who just, you know, claims they got it all together, they are just deceiving themselves. Just deceiving themselves. When we do our part of confession, we do our part of honesty, right? It helps God do his transformational work. It helps. There's just, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I feel like God, this is just parenthetically, I feel like God works wonderfully in transparency, right? Especially if we are living in community. If we're living in community with other people, we have a supportive church, or maybe we're at a small group, or we have a group of friends that love Jesus, and we get together, and we have those relationships, and when we live in honesty about our shortcomings, those shortcomings are overcome so much faster than when we get together with our brothers and sisters, and we pretend like we've got it all together. I, I have an accountability partner that I meet with every other Wednesday. We get together for lunch. And could you imagine if we got together and we tried to, you know, create an image for each other, right? Like, 
there would, that accountability, there would be a completely useless meeting you know, of, of just getting together. There wouldn't be any accountability there. There would just be, oh, yeah, no, everything's going great. No, oh, yeah, no, just whatever, you know. I'm just, I'm just, you know, God's just doing some great things, right? And so we just kind of say those things. We say those spiritual phrases, but we're not being honest with each other. That would be so useless. And I love it when we can get together and go, yeah, you know what, this week, did you hear about so-and-so that it appeared nude, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, we went there, I went there. Yeah, yeah, wanted to see what she looked like. You know, like, we, we have those honest conversations, and we just kind of, like, are totally, brutal, just brutally honest with each other. Yeah, man, I, oh, gosh, I yelled at my son, totally went off on him, and it really wasn't even him, you know? And we have those honest conversations. Oh, my wife was driving me crazy. Uh, about our own struggles, guess what? Then we're able to pray for each other. We're able to encourage each other. We're able to be honest with each other. And, and we need people like that in our lives. But covering it up, there's something about covering up where, you know, nothing really happens. Nothing happens. You could have, like I said, you could have the appearance of it, of something to happen, because we're all pretty good actors that way. Uh, but nothing really changes. Nothing changes. So, and then the last thing is, is we work together with God to fulfill the dreams that he's given us. Right? We work together with God to fulfill those dreams. There's just something tragic about God-given dreams that go unfulfilled. And I remember uh, meeting a woman. Gosh, and this had such an impact on me because I met her when I was still a teenager. I was like 17 years old, 18 years old. And uh, I happened to be friends with her son. And we were talking out in the, you guys remember this, at churches when they had a foyer? Yeah, the church foyer. We were out in the church foyer. Some people called it a foyer, and really super holy churches called it a narthex. I don't know what that is, but yes. And so we were standing out in the foyer, and we were talking, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but she all of a sudden began to cry. Just she's in tears. And she said to me, and now here she was in her 50s, and she said, in my 20s, God gave me a dream. In my 20s, God gave me a dream. He put a calling on my heart to do something, and I never did it, and it just haunts me. It just haunts me. Years later. And there's something just so tragic about a God-given dream that goes unfulfilled. And God places on people, he places businesses on people. He places ministries on people. He puts social change in people's hearts. He, he you know, puts public service on people's hearts, all sorts of things. And... Uh, when years later those things are still just a dream, it's so tragic. It's so tragic. Could you, I mean, gosh, you read about, you know, the great saints in the Bible, you know, walking in what God, the dreams that God placed in their hearts, and, and if they would have just not, you know, fulfilled them. If Paul wouldn't have fulfilled the dream that God put in his heart, we probably wouldn't be here, right? And so, and these things, when God puts them on our hearts, they require enormous amounts of work. And they do. When God says to start a business, and we go, I'm just going to put that in God's hands. You know, <laughs> they require work on our part. And, and sometimes the mere thought of that can make us feel overwhelmed. And so what do we do? We give it to the Lord, and we say things like, if he wants it to happen, it'll happen. Right. If he wants it to happen, it'll happen. In the meantime, I'm watching Squid Game. 
right? In the meantime, I'm just going to watch Netflix. In the meantime, I'm just going to kick back and whatever. And listen, uh, it's true, but you still have to do your part. You still have to do your part. You know, back in 2015 or 2014-ish, when God put it on my heart to write a book, and if I would have just said, "It'll happen. if God wants it to happen, it'll happen, I'd still be sitting here, you know, like with no books, right? And so uh, there's people here that have changed careers and started businesses and done all sorts of cool things. And if they would have taken the posture, if God wants it to happen, what are, you, what are we expecting at that moment? Like, are we expecting Ed McMahon to show up at our front door with a publisher's clearinghouse check for $10 million? And, you know, we did, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. I'll win the lottery. I'll do, you know, something will happen and all the pieces will fall into place. And remember last week we talked about that, that people, when people say, oh, you know God's in it when everything falls into place. No, no, because just about anything I've ever done that I knew that God was in took a whole lot of work and faced a whole lot of obstacles. And so uh, we have this ability, right? We have this ability to learn. We have this ability. God has given us this brain with this incredible capacity to learn awesome new things, right? Aren't you glad that your capacity to learn isn't this big, right? Sometimes we act like that when we say, I just, I'm just giving that to the Lord because I don't get it, right? No, you know, God has given us the, this capacity to learn and to grow, we are, you know, beings that were created after God's own image. We have incredible capacity, but we live at such a small amount of all that God has put in us. And so we have this great capacity to learn. Uh, we, have, we can set goals. We can make plans. We can do the things that God has put in our heart. And we, when we do, when we partner with him to do it, we glorify him in the process, Right? I remember, our, and I talk about this all the time because it still blows my mind, our first Royal Family Kids Camp. It seemed like an impossible task. An impossible task. You think about it. A church that was like a year old, you know, who, who basically had to raise a quarter, an extra quarter of our yearly budget, right? So at the time, we had a yearly budget of roughly $100,000, and so we had to raise $25,000. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Look around, folks. This ain't exactly Calvary, right? This, you know, this, this ain't exactly heritage. And so I, you know that it's God, but we had to take a step forward, and we had to do our part. It was an impossible task, but he met us in it, and he did his part as we did ours. We do ours, he does his. We partner with God, we do our part, and we watch him do his. And in the fulfillment of dreams that he places in our hearts. It's, it's both and. And we do that in our sanctification. We do that in our personal growth. We do that in our healing. God wants to partner with us. So the next time you are thinking to yourself, I'm just going to give it out to the Lord. Just stop for a second. Stop for a second and go, oh, wait a minute. What might be my part? What might be my part in this? And as we wrap up this morning... I want you to think about the things. Think about the things just for a moment that you have just given to the Lord, right? Just think, what are some of the things that you have just given to the Lord? Maybe, you've, maybe you didn't even use that phrase. Maybe you just sort of went, eh, I just don't want to think about that right now, right? Maybe you didn't even use that phrase. You used some other phrase. And, uh, and make a commitment, you know, to honor God and to do your part 
in what needs to be done. And I, I think for some of us, it might be making a counseling appointment. It might be that time, right? You ever think to yourself, I, you know, I should probably get counseling in that area, and then uh, uh, 12 months, 18 months later, you still haven't gotten counseling in that area, right? Maybe this might be the time. This might be the time to get healing in that area. And uh, you might need to apologize to someone who's been affected by a character flaw that you have. You might need to do your part there. You might need to walk to the back of the room and have Bethany pray for you and whoever else is in the prayer team today, right? Maybe just to go back there and get prayer from somebody. That might be doing your part. Uh, you might need to ask someone to hold you accountable for a dream that you have. You know, maybe you have a goal and you just kind of keep stumbling. For a while there with my accountability partner, I had to have him hold me accountable to write a certain amount of words each week or I had to buy lunch. That was just it, man. Hey, financial incentives. It was either I wrote 2,000 words or 5,000 words or whatever between our meetings, and if I didn't meet that goal, lunch was on me that day, right? Sometimes we just need to do that. It might be that. It might be having somebody hold you accountable to a dream that God has placed on your heart. But whatever it is, I want you guys to make a very practical decision today to partner with God and do your part, and as you do, watch him do his, right? Wendy, you want to